Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Pull up a chair at punchboardmedia.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gumbo Live. Here's your host, BJ from Board Game Gumbo. Hey, Board Gamers, BJ from Board Game Gumbo here, back with another episode of Gumbo Live. It's episode number 123, Gumbo Live, the number one Facebook Live talk show dedicated to board gaming. Our special guest tonight, we got Matt Riddle of Motor City Gameworks. You know him from lots of games we're going to talk about, Fleet, Peep Mots, and all the other ones that we're going to talk about. Board Game Gumbo, a proud member of Punchboard Media. Check out some of our other fine members, like the State of Games podcast. That's Chris, Daryl, and TC. They got an awesome podcast focusing on con travel, games they played, design tips, news from the world of gaming, and my favorite segment, what really grinds their gears. Plus, TC is going to be a guest on the show. Well, actually, he was a guest on our show in the past. Punchboard Media, where we all bring something to the table. Hey, hit us up on social media, on Twitter, or on Facebook at Board Game Gumbo, and we'll be looking for your questions in the chat crew. But let's enough blather. Let's get right to our special guest. It's Matt Riddle. Welcome to the show, man. Hello. <laughs> That's a great introduction. I appreciate it. Happy hey, to be Matt, here. Really excited awesome. to be here. Awesome, Ava. I was telling you, you and I met briefly over the over the air, but it's weird because I know your voice very well. You're like you're like the second Podfather King. You know, the, the King Podfather, of course, is Stephen Bonacore, but, but you and Ben are frequent guests on State of Games. How did that get started? How did you guys get involved with Chris and TC and all the rest? And and then the Geek All Stars with Dan, our friend Dan. Yeah, so it really goes back to uh, Kirkman, honestly, years ago. So when Ben and I first got into this whole design thing, um, it came down to, you know, we designed fleet. We'd never designed a game before. We didn't know what we were doing and it was Ben's idea. And there's a whole story there, but the, and when it first got out there and it was on Kickstarter, um, we signed with Eagle Griffin games and they said, Hey, we're going to kickstart this thing. And we're like, ah, what's Kickstarter? And this was like 2012, 13, right? So it was pretty new, but we, neither of us were really into the Really, honestly, I didn't even have a BGG account when we, I think we first signed the game. It was kind of wild. So we really got moving and kind of got out there and said, you know, we had to learn about the industry. And um, Eagle Griffin sent a copy to to Chris uh, for his State of the Games podcast to review. And he just liked it, frankly. And it was, uh, you know, him and I don't, I think it was TC back then and his, um, you know, his co-host at the time, his, now, his ex-wife, it's right, now, right, but... Right. Um, you know, they just really, they liked the game and they were kind of, we just kind of met him through that and we're very appreciative to them. He ultimately ended up giving in his Dice Amy game of the year for 2012, which was awesome. Awesome. And we kind of just met and said, Hey, thank you. Honestly, like we really, we went to him and said, we want to just super appreciate wow. what you did for this, for this game that, you know, we're nobody and you liked this game and it made a big difference. It, it really gave fleet early credit you know, kind of before it even got out there and got rolling. And then we just became friends and we met Dan through him. And that was, you know, so eight years ago, we, you know, we, our first two or three Gen Cons, it was me, Ben and his brother, Joe. And we would go there and we would sit, we, we would like, we sat and like worked the booth and like played fleet with strangers. And then we would go sit in the board game library and play games all night. So we didn't know anybody. And, you know, we weren't against mean people. We just, we didn't know anyone. And that was like our first two Gen Cons probably. And we kind of met Chris and just kind of became friends. And then we did the State of Games podcast, I think once early on about Fleet and then met Dan. And we've done Geek All-Stars a lot. 
Um, you know the DraftKings on on the game. You know that's I, I love the. I was I tell Dan all the time he needs to just lean into the drafts. I mean, he's, are, are, are we so jumping hard. the shark when we're doing draft the draft game? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think so because it's one of my favorite episodes. But I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, "They're doing a draft the draft game. This is amazing." Yes, like, I know, I know. It, it's so interstitial. So this is a live show, and we got a bunch of people checking in. I want to make sure before we do that. If anybody hasn't, uh, and I plug this all the time, Matt, uh, but if you just want to start a new collection, you could you could do worse than just going to the Dice Hate Me Game of the Year and the Christmas Shopping Guide and just yep. pick the games that interest you. Your collection will be, I mean, really good. I mean, it's got so many good games on there. Uh, mm-hmm. So many that I've I, that I didn't know about that I've picked up because of them. But got a bunch of people checking in. Here. My favorite diver here, Patrick Newman, the lefty rider. Hey, what's up, Patrick? Hopefully. He uh, did okay with the storm. We, we had a hurricane come through uh, the Gulf here, so it's going to be rough. Vertle's checking in. Vertle will be coming in later to play a new game there, Matt, a brand new game that we're going to – you're going to be the guinea pig in board yeah. game with Ty, so get ready for that. Can't wait. We, we even have a look. We even have a logo. Look how I saw that. That is awesome. <laughs> and I don't know if you know her, but uh, there's someone named Beth. Beth that's checking in. Yes, Beth is awesome. I know she gets incredibly – like I feel like you know sometimes I feel like I talk about how awesome she is so much it's probably weird for her so hi Beth we don't <laughs> awesome. we don't talk about it on this show we don't want to embarrass her but uh, yes. as you know she's one of the two artists I think uh, she and Ian O'Till too where at least from from American perspectives people are going to go to a Kickstarter or look at a page just because they see their names yeah right? so uh, not many artists can say that you know so that's yep, pretty we good. we met Beth actually she came to our home convention. Um, Three or four years ago, which is Grand Con, which is in it's a small, uh, not a small, it's actually a medium. Yeah, yeah, it's a you know a couple thousand person convention in Grand Rapids, and it's it's growing you know till this year we'll see. But and uh, Beth was a guest of honor one year, and I was incredibly excited to meet her in person. Hopefully not too excited, but you know she uh, I think it, she was with her partner at the time as well, Daniel, I believe, a very tall gentleman if I recall, and um, Beth not very tall. I can say that. And uh, <laughs> it was just, it was really cool to, to meet, you know, to meet her and them. And then we were really excited uh, that she agreed to do Three Sisters for us. Uh, we'd you know, approached her and said, Hey, I know you're super busy all the time, but, you know, could you maybe, you know, do this cover for us? And she said, Sure. And here hey, we go. Checking out your wall back there. Beth says, Seeing Rococo in the background makes me want to play it. And I'm seeing something I didn't even know. You're a, you're a captain of the golf fan. Wow. I, I I am I am so that's uh, I, I backed uh, that Kickstarter today. Today, the, uh, yep, yep. For um, I, I actually have a copy, but um, this will be the new edition. Just some slight tweaks, and also yeah. you get Crescent City uh, Cargo. The, the yep. price is a great deal for the two. I don't want to tell you what I paid for my copy of Captain yeah. of the Gulf. I, I know. I got. I, it's funny because I, I got Captain of the Gulf through trade, and I played the proto. He sent it to Ben. Jason Dinger sent it to Ben sure. years ago when he was developing he, it. He and, loves the Fleeples, as you well know. <laughs> yes. I, I, and we met Jason at Unpub, and he's awesome. You know, what is uh, that game that he did the solo for that he just loves that I haven't played that you guys did? And I, I, I'm just drawing a blank. Um, the oh, space Beta game. Colony. Beta Colony. Oh my yes. God. He, he and his wife love that game. Yes. Oh, wow. Nope. They, they are awesome. And we love them both very much and super excited to get captains and super excited to get, you know, um, Crescent city. So, and that, it's funny cause I, I always try to position myself kind of egotistically so that like these shelves <laughs> are in view. Cause those are all our stuff, but this sure. time I, put my, I put my big head right in front of it this time. So you can see Rococo <laughs> and you know, Firefly is actually a game I got. To, I, I've never played it. We played, played my daughter. Any- my daughter and I played the. There was one that came out like 
10 years ago, eight years ago, that's an exaggeration, probably seven or eight years ago that was really like in the monopoly box. And it was not great, but it was like okay. firefly, like fistful of dollars. And it was a really simple move, yeah. you know, move your little character and kind of roll dice it tokens. And I, we, my daughter, one of the few times she opened the, you know, actively wanted to play a game. We played through the whole, it was like four scenarios. So I bought that one and we just never got to it. <laughs> so Lots of people checking in. Uh, Don checking in. Good evening, everyone. He says uh, he loves the cover for Three Sisters. We're going to be showing that off in a little while to talk about it. Uh, Jordan's checking in from the new co- new the No Cube Zone. Sorry about that, Jordan. If you guys have any questions, make sure. Matt's going to be checking the chat, and he'll be looking for some good questions. Our buddy Bill Lasik, who designed Koi. I don't know if you've uh, seen that one out in the wild, uh, Matt. So Matt is checking in. Uh, the Fleeples. Hey, you know what? I don't want to go too insider baseball. Yeah. Maybe should explain what is Don talking about. What what are the Fleeples? What's the elevator so, pitch? You love yeah, elevator the, pitches, right? I do. So the Fleeples are Ben and I, Ben Pinchback and I. We design games. We've designed I don't know upwards of fifteen design games now. And I do want to take this opportunity to apologize to Beth. She's not short. Her husband's just very tall. So I that was my my bad memories. But uh, the Fleeples is a nickname that Dan Patrice from Geek All Stars gave us kind of jokingly, you know, from fleet and, uh, kind of the fleeples is sort of, you know, fleet was our original game, right? That's kind of why we got to keep doing this 10 years later that, you know, I, th- I think if it wasn't for fleet, I, we may still do it cause it's fun, but you know, it, you know, we were, we were fortunate and fleet's a great game, but we didn't know what we didn't know back then. You know, we didn't really understand, you know, what we were getting into. We didn't know how to approach the industry. We didn't know anything. And we were very lucky to get, you know, in with Eagle Griffin and, and like I said, you know, having kind of had the support of, you know, Chris Kirkman and, and some of his crew was really, you know, awesome for us. And it was, you know, fleets allowed us to continue, you know, sort of doing this because, you know, like anything else, right. Once you kind of have at least something you can show on your CV, that's, uh, it helps, you know, I mean, every publisher is going to evaluate every game individually, but it certainly helps open doors to have a game that's, you know, lasted this long. I mean, fleet still sells, it's still, prints every couple of years it <clears throat> excuse me you know it's continued selling for eight years now i don't it's probably our highest volume seller still ah, that's not true we have this little random rick and morty game that sold the most but um you know for the most part though it's it's our you know probably our, our most known game if not our most popular game that's probably weds but uh our, our most well-known game after all these years so yeah she said i'm one foot shorter than Daniel, but still five foot seven. That's not sharp. That, that, I know. I felt so bad. Giant. I saw that. Daniel's just really tall. Right. I mean, right. you know, right. that's. So I haven't played Fleet, but I will tell you what I have played. Your buddy, the Brandt, who is probably the biggest, uh, you know, cheerleader for Fleet the Dice Game, cornered yes. me and Alex Goldsmith at Gen Con last year. And he's like, yep. you got to play Fleet the Dice Game. So we yeah. sat down and played it. I loved it, man. I'm telling you. Thank you. Uh, you 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 have a little signature. You always call them disappointingly mathy games. There's yep. there's a lot of math in that game. But I told people after I played, I said I played a lot of roll and rights, and mm-hmm. you know most of the roll and rights are that's what they are. They're roll and rights. They don't feel like a board game. They they feel like a you know a roll and right. That's what they feel like. Yours did not feel like that, and that's not that's a compliment. It felt like I was playing a board game, not a roll and right. Does it does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, it a hundred percent, I mean, and Brant is awesome, by the way, I second that. <laughs> and I love that. I do too. Um, so we didn't, 
consciously decided that Fleet the Dice game was going to be different than other rule and rights. I think we knew we wanted to do a dice game of Fleet, and we knew that we had an opportunity. Again, Eagle Griffin's done quite a few of our games, and they're very open to the idea. And again, because Fleet has continued to sell over the years, it was a good opportunity to, you know, it's you know, to kind of reuse that that you know thematic license and, and some of the you know some of the ideas that we have in Fleet in a new way. So we set out to make Fleet the Dice game. We had a few ideas. We you know kind of did it really slowly. Never really got anywhere. And then one day Ben kind of came. We you know we worked together uh, in our real life jobs, and then also you know we've been friends since we were kids. So we you know we talk all the time, text and you know messenger work, whatever. So he said, hey, I, I got this thing. You know, and it's Fleet the Dice game, and it's a rolling right. I'm like a rolling right. You know, I'd I, I played a couple. They're okay. Um, I the say well, it. I, I say it. It's, it's a you, game. They're games. <laughs> I told Dan I would ding if you ever said that during the show. <laughs> so I, I just they're not like I, I don't get to game a ton ton. Like I, I really. You know, we game probably once every two weeks. You know, as far as like, and if I'm going to play a game, I want to play a game. I want to play Rococo, as Beth you know, mentioned earlier. I want to play something that I can get into a little bit. So my my filler game gaming isn't very isn't very often. So you know, playing Quicks and some of those other ones, they're okay. You know, I, I played Gonchon Clever, and it was I liked it. You know, I thought the app was awesome because you could play it in like twenty seconds. You can, yeah. But um, I, I I didn't either way. All that to say, and they showed me this like literally, it's like a friggin' you know, it was like a sheet of paper. I, I think it was literally like this big, and it was just a. I mean, I'd call it a spreadsheet if I was being a little honest. And it was like, you know, the whole, he had the original idea of zone of boats, you know, was kind of like the fleet part. Like you're going to catch fish on boats and you're going to have licenses. And then it was sort of like insert good idea here on the other side. So we just began hacking away at it, you know, and got the idea to kind of put in the market and sort of those different individual buildings inside, you know, the, the, the town. And then the wharf is kind of like another set, another set of boats that do different things. And, Right away, he had the idea. I think one of the things that he came to the idea was that he wanted to do. You know, the whole point was we're going to take the cards in fleet and put them on the dice, right? right. So I think at first we might have had more than just um, fish symbols. It was like also some money and some other things. We slowly kind of stripped that away as we developed it, honestly, because frankly there was enough going on without having two other symbols on each die. So it was just to really take the cards in fleet, stick them on dice, and see what happens. And it really all came down to that original. You know, again, kind of jokingly flowchart that Ben came up with that represented the licenses and the boats to catch fish. So that's kind of what got us going. I wouldn't say spreadsheet, although I was a little worried as DeBrant was teaching us, the hall monitor came in and said, we only have three hours to complete the test and we had to keep our, <laughs> our pencil in the circles. Yeah. So, it's <laughs> No, but in, in all seriousness, my favorite part is that is the dice uh, choosing mechanic, I guess mm-hmm. is, is how you would call it. Yeah. Uh, so maybe maybe tell the chat crew how how is that uh, you know where did that come from? I've I've kind of seen it in other areas before, but I like the way you guys did it with Fleet the Dice game. Yeah, I I don't remember if that was an original idea or if that was one of those. Sometimes we literally just you know so there's a we call it the Feld, which is the acquisition mechanic usually, right? Because like a lot of Feld games are like Trajan. I love Trajan. Because, right. you know, I'll come to that later. I don't want to give any t- give anything away, but um. So Ooh, you know, all, Steve, did you hear that? <laughs> Mark that down. It's uh, six individual zones that have barely anything to do with each other, all tied together by the fact that you're playing Mancala, right? So right. the Feld is the thing that basically drives you, to, you know, your action selection, or is you kind of jokingly what we call it. So I don't, I, I know from originally we kind of had we wanted to do dice drafting, so it was more a matter of how to do it in a way that 
you know, made sense for what Please the Dice game was. Now, what we found very early on when we were designing that one is that there was so much going on on those two score pads that we probably needed to keep the dice draft relatively simple. Okay. So we did. And that was really kind of the, the genesis of the idea that we're going to do the everyone pick a die and the leftover die everyone gets to use. And that sort of idea behind the leftover die was really one of two things, honestly. Part of it was just mechanically to speed things up a little bit, to give, we're not playing 15 rounds, right? Because you're getting another action every round. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I understand. And that's, so that's the mechanical reason. But also, we wanted to have that, that tension that comes with being that player three or four times throughout the game where you're like, okay, well, I want that, especially in a two-player game, frankly, right? I want that. You know, she wants that. He wants that. Uh, you know, and then you. So it's not just take what's best for you. It's also take what you think's going to make the most sense. You know, for you to take by yourself. Then it's going to help others the least. Not quite hate drafting, but the idea of sort of you know because I, I you know for the most part, please the dice game is one two three head down for forty five minutes. You know, there's not like you're not. It's not an interactive game in the sense that you're caring what people are is. doing. But that exactly. So okay. that was our. We wanted to have that interaction where you were affecting the outcome of other players. So, so was it, your it was score sheet's not, but right? that is. Oh, please the dice game. Yeah. So is there anything coming out? Anything you can tell yeah. us? Anything new with that? Absolutely. So it's, it was very successful. Honestly, it, it sold uh, incredibly well, and it's been our highest rated game uh, until recently. Actually, we've got a one of our newer games is staying ahead of it, but it's got less ratings. Um, but, you know, obviously critically successful. It, it sold very quickly. It took a long time to get reprinted, which is not my decision. Um, it's finally coming again, the second printing, with the ah. mini expansion in November. So when Eagle Griffin did the new version of Rococo with the Ian O'Toole art, they right. also included Fleet the Dice game second printing, which has a couple of small changes to the score sheets. Just some nothing... Nothing like significant from a rules perspective, but really okay. uh, kind of just clearing things up a little bit with like lobster, for example, and just a few small, you know, kind of more graphic design than gameplay, except for, except for lobster. Lobster, we did adjust how lobster worked to make it a little bit easier. And then also some graphic design stuff to kind of clean up a few of the questions that we got a lot. And then it included a expansion, which is another pad <laughs> that's just next to your two pads. So well, you got as two pads plus be. the expansion pad. And right. that's a whole thing that riffs off of... So one of the actions in the game that got used the least and purposefully was the pass action, right? We, we gave you the idea that when you didn't want something, because let's say shrimp was left and you just weren't doing shrimp, and so it's round six and you're not going to get into the shrimp game, we gave you a coin for it. And we have a building in the, in the uh, warp that lets you turn it into two coins, which is a gr- mm-hmm. fine little building. So we rip off of that, basically, and you can then use that pass action instead of as a coin to basically unlock things on this now third score pad that gives you just all sorts of new bonuses and you know it's very much fits in this and kind of you know it's basically it's for people that have played fleet i I feel awful if anyone has to play fleet the first time with that in it because that's not a good thing i'm telling everybody now please let the new guy or the new girl play fleet by itself and then add the expansion because it's it's just it's just more Right, we don't, you know, we come on the dice game. Yeah, flip the dice game. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, just, I just mean it's one of those things where sometimes people put the expansions in for new players. I'm like, come on, you know, let them experience the game first. But I'm, I'm joking. It's just, but it really is just more. It's just that's kind of what we wanted to do with an expansion for flip the dice game. We gave you two score pads, and now you got a third. We're going to be looking for that, and that's Fleet the Dice Game. 
Speaking of expansions, Bradley's yeah. got a question for you. The gumbo here, we 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 got to play um, Weds. That's what we call it, Weds Wasteland mm-hmm. uh, Express Delivery Service. And he said he heard about an expansion, even to the point of people actually playing versions of it. Mm-hmm. Any word on that? Anything you can give us? A little scoop there? Yeah. So. I don't think anything's going to happen, if I'm being fully honest. I don't have any control over it. We did develop an expansion, which so that was a game that we developed, we developed with John Gilmore, uh, who's sure. a semi-local to us. Pandasaurus, maybe? Pandasaurus oh, did it, yep. We had a, a game that we dragged around to cons for a couple of years called Space Vikings, and you had to okay. say, Space Vikings! Like the oh, 80s. Yeah. Like and the uh, it was this big pickup and deliver idea that you were vikings banished to space and you were trying to please the god Ager by picking up and delivering sammy space Ager? goods yes sammy Ager. <laughs> uh so you get back home to your fjords you know whatever so stupid theme but it was fun and uh we didn't it didn't go anywhere and we didn't do anything with it we never really pitched it and then we just talked to john gilmore one day and said hey how you want to design a game with us and he came in and he made like we're gonna change this we're gonna change this we're gonna change that and then it became Weds, and we sold it to Pandasaurus, and it did awesome. Um, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but I can also say that it, they printed a lot of copies, a lot of copies sold, but then the last chunk of those copies have not sold very uh, much. It's gone. It's just the tail. It hit. Yeah, it, 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 yep. No, it kind of hit. An, an expansion and, would get people So there was an idea that, that might be the case. Um, so we designed the full expansion. Uh, it added like a kind of a water world aspect to wed. So you, you built another section off the corner of the board of the octagons. Mm-hmm. It was I'm like liking what I'm hearing. Yeah. And it was all, it was like water world. So you had to outfit your truck with floaters to get there. And there was an Island out there that had a, um, my favorite part of the game is if you played weds, there's a character in weds. Um, who's one who's like the main bad guy. And he's like a, He's like a car. All of them with the top knot guy, not that one. No, no, he's he's a special okay. boss. He's one of the he's one of the uh, special. He's one of the victory points, and you got to beat him. And he's literally like a human torso welded to a car. Does and he do a bad English accent when he's he, he, shooting? He probably arrow? does no? when you're okay. talking to him, but he does <laughs> not in the game because he's just a picture. Okay. But uh, he's he's a big bad guy, and we had a version of him that was like out on the island, and he had like you okay. know splimmies on, and you know it's kind of silly. But uh, yeah, so to answer the very long answer, this will be, you know, uh, I'm pr- I'm pretty chatty. I think you're but. dancing. I think you're avoiding the question. But so the answer is uh, almost wait, wait, definitely this is not the yeah. confirmation hearing. I'm sorry. <laughs> go back. Go back to what you're saying. So the answer, Bradley, almost definitely not. Unfortunately, so it's ah. fully it's fully designed, but I don't think Panasaurus has any intention. Bradley, take of, a note. The gumbo yeah. is going to push for an expansion for Weds. We're going to we're going to do like the brand did. We're going to see if we can mm-hmm. push for that. So there was uh, a thread uh, the other day about it. So we'll see. Beth says, forget three score pads. She wants score pad colon the score pad fleet game. So can we make that happen? I'm going to get right on that. <laughs> I'm going to bring in Steve so we can talk about some of the spicy hot games that we've all been playing recently. BJ Morgan Game Gumbo, I've got my guest here, Matt Riddle, game designer. Got Steve in here. And we we're talking about some of the spicy hot games we played recently. And you've played one, Matt, that I'm really curious about. I haven't seen it in the wild yet. I've seen it all over board game media. And that's Mariposa's from AEG Games, and a little-known designer who made a little-known game, Elizabeth Hargrave. So one of our favorite people here on the gumbo. Tell yeah. us about Mariposas. Yeah, so Mariposas is great. It, it's a – so what I like about it, I, I love a good 45 to 60-minute abstract. Like I have no problem at all kind of playing through a game that's do this cool thing, and I don't care what the theme is. It's, the theme is secondary to me. 
What's cool about Mariposas, I think, is that I know, <laughs> but Mariposas actually feels pretty thematic, and it's pretty. And I, I love the the kind of black, you know, sort of you know matte finish on it, and uh, you know the butterfly tokens or these cool little butterfly tokens. Yeah, Steve, look at this. That's that's kind of a that's cool, good. you know. Yeah, it, the way it is. it's yeah. very pretty, and the and the game is incredibly simple. You're you're basically drawing action cards or i'll call them action cards that tell you you can move you know x spaces right and it's basically either it's usually a combination of several small moves or one big move but each move involves picking up the flowers that you see on the board right so you're okay. you pick butter you've got multiple butterfly tokens on the board whichever one you want you say okay let's say one card might be move three times so you're going to move land take the flower move land take the flower move land take the flower or by okay. the move five spaces and you're going to move five spaces take the flower where you land the whole purpose of the flowers is to kind of like a that's kind of the income in the game so that you're using okay. those to generate your next generation of butterflies because the thematically you're you're making the trip from southern mexico up to canada and back again which no single butterfly does all that right it's Four a generational or something like yeah, that yeah exactly it's a generational trip so that's kind of what you're simulating and, and it's it's very very well done it's very fun you know we played a four player game took a little over an hour um it's you know, but it, it was it's snappy and it's 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 frankly just a very well designed, very fun, very pretty abstract game. You know, Kirkman always talks about that one hour wonder. Is that mm-hmm. basically what you're saying? It fits in that. I think it probably it definitely does. I think our four player game with some teaching took a little longer, okay. and we also had some interruptions. It was Adam's birth, our buddy Adam's birthday, so we had cake and stuff. My guess is, yeah, after even after the by the second play, the you know you can get it in an hour, no problem. And two or three player for sure. And it's definitely that one hour wonder. And, um, you know, I, I love, I, Evan, see, I love Evan's a, name for it. Butterflies, the next generation. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. <laughs> that's good. Evan. So, but it's very abstract. It's, it's very in a good way. Like, but again, I say it's like a thematic abstract. Like when I say abstract, I'm not saying that as an insult to the theme. I'm saying that as a, yeah. it's all about counting spaces and calculating. I need to get here to, you know, to make sure I meet this goal card and I need to have these pieces here and these pieces north of Atlanta, these pieces east of El Paso. And so it's very much like getting your butterflies in position to meet goals at the end of each round. I'm not getting a wingspan vibe at all, which is all about engine building and all of that. No, no, nothing, not nothing at all the same. It's very, it's a very different game. I think to um, Elizabeth's credit, you know, they're very different incredibly different games in a good way. They're both, they're both excellent games on, of their own. I'm, I love wingspan. I think it's one of the better, you know, engine building deck builders, or you want to call it games that to come out in the last few years, which is why it's so successful. Not only is it having, having the backing obviously of a publisher that knows how to make a hit, but being in such an excellent design and a, and a great product overall. So this is a completely different game in a great way. Yeah, I love uh, Wingspan. I love what she's doing. Her other game, Tussie Mussie, I mean, that, that's three games that are in. I haven't played this one, of course, but Tussie Mussie in a little 18-card space and then the engine-building you know, card uh, mm-hmm. of play of um, – so sort of card drafting you've got to pick from that from that market. But of Wingspan, that's pretty impressive how, how she's mm-hmm. – I mean, they're, they're, she seems to be multi-talented when it comes to that. So mm-hmm. that's good stuff. I'm going to check it out. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I wasn't that interested in it, but you're, you kind of make, you kind of selling it on me, man. This is, uh, this is pretty interesting. Matt, can you tell me about the, the win condition in this? It's not clearly just a race to Canada and back to Mexico. What's, nope, what's the process for, for de- deriving a successful trip mm-hmm. for your butterflies back and forth? 
it's points. <laughs> so you are it, what I, what actually, you know, it's funny because I was playing with Ben and, and again, my, our buddy Adam was also a designer. So you begin to kind of talk as designers, you know, when mm-hmm. you're, you try, you try not to, cause it's annoying, but luckily we're all designers <laughs> so we could do it. And, uh, it, it's interesting because this is the whole thing where you start in the South of Mexico, which is where you want to get back to during your, you know, your, your trip. And, you know, what, what Elizabeth did in the design that was so clever was that she uses, there's basically spring, fall, summer, those three rounds and there's increasing actions each round and the scoring conditions at the end of spring, summer and fall are forcing you kind of out into the board. What you want to do is get everything back to Mexico by the end of the round, by the end of before winter. You want to get your luck almost. It isn't. It's, it's really more, it's, it's really more of a, a. I mean, there's a risk factor to it because at the, especially in that last kind of fall round, you know that, okay, so this is going to generate me this many points. And then even in the summer, cause there's, it's kind of forcing you to like the kind of call it the Northeast corner of the board. And, you know, I'd love to play it again and see if, okay, if I ignore those and I focus on getting my, cause it's all about getting your, your last generation, your fourth generation. They're, they're the only ones that score. Like if I can kind of sort of maybe do a little bit less focus on the bonuses. Can I get more butterflies back to, you know, back to, um, you know, Mexico to score the points at the end of the game, you know, and it's just, it's very well done because the push and the pull between the, the end game round bonuses are, are very well done against the kind of the mm-hmm. overall end game goal of getting as many fourth generation butterflies back. So what, what's after all for? that, you know, it's points. What's the dice for? Uh, the dice is just a randomizer for when you select a, there's these certain cities across the board or all the cities across the board have a little bonus on them. And they're, the bonus is very much the same things that you're doing with like flowers and other things. So the die is just kind of a randomizing, a randomizer bonus. So when you land on one of those, if you look at like Orlando, there's a token on there. So when you get the right. first person to Orlando gets this bonus and gets to roll the die, everyone else can still go to Orlando and get the bonus, but only the first person gets the die. So and, it's just and a bonus randomizer. Do they get yep. an annual pass also to... Uh, they do not. No, <laughs> there's no uh, no butterflies at Disney. Dude, no. man, everything Disney. It's all got to be Disney. We got to put that in the episode somehow. It, hey, does sound like this, it does sound like this is interestingly in some ways thematic in that these butterflies are having to cope with the pressures and power of nature and the seasons pushing them in different directions. Mm-hmm. So the, the mechanics do seem to suggest that you're... Well, flying rather than swimming against the stream in some ways, but yep. you've got a destination and you've got to get there and get back. That's, that's a, a clever way of, of representing nature there. You know, Jason Dinger always talks about the mechanics should have some kind of thematic tie-in, even mm-hmm. if you don't feel like you're an actual captain out in the Gulf. Right. All of the mechanics in this game actually draw, are driven by by theme. Can you say that about this game? Or I mean, it, it's from what you're describing a lot of the mechanics that you're doing sound thematic where you're trying to push these butterflies out to the north and then, and yeah. then move them back and south so no i i think so i think it's one of the more thematic abstracts i've ever played in the sense that mm-hmm. again, i keep using that word and i don't want people to misunderstand i use that word yeah. because of the type of game that it is yeah, sure. you know um but it's not ingenious where there is absolutely no theme. This Correct. is this is yeah. I understand I'm, what you're I'm, saying with that. Absolutely, I'm comparing it to that because it's that sort of game where you're calculating your individual actions to get to your goal. Right. That's really what I mean when I say abstract. So yeah, obviously, listen, end of round scoring cards or end of round scoring cards. I don't care what your theme is, you know. But um, <laughs> you know, she, uh, she did an excellent job of again, sort of having to feel like that you know because you got to like you got to get to the little what is it stink weed or whatever it's called i can't remember what it's called that they mm-hmm. butterflies you know mate and uh 
create the next generation under. So very, you know, so there's, uh, it's, just, it's very well done. I, I think it actually feels as thematic as a game like this possibly could. Mm-hmm. And that is Mariposas from AEG. BJ from Morgan Gumbo, I've got my guests here, Matt Riddle, and Steve and I are talking with him about some of the hot games, the spicy games we played recently. Matt, when we were talking in the green room, you're a, you grew up a big card-playing family. Steve played a lot of cards. That's all we did growing up. We had every kind of card game. So I was kind of excited when Amigo sent me this uh, Delt. I had known it by a different name because Chris Ray and the Opinionated Gamers are always talking about German trick-taking games, you know? And so I knew it as Crass Carried, but, but I'd never played it. Mm-hmm. I got to play the, I guess, the American English version, Delt. Are you familiar? Have you played with Crass Carried or Delt at all, Matt? I have. So, oh, okay. um, I played Crass- about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm not that confident in it, but okay. I can say <laughs> that I played it at a convention with a fantastic guy, Chris Kopak, who very much, like you said, kind of like the opinionated gamers, seeks out those German card games. So I played the German version a few years back, and I, I remember liking it, and that's about all I remember. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, so Delt is one of these games where you're trying to, you, you want to be the, the person that is not going to be the last one to go out, right? So you're trying to get rid of all your cards f- as fast as you possible. In fact, the, it's technically a trick-taking game, but there really, there's really no benefit to winning the trick other than you get to go first next, you know, for the next um, uh, hand as you go around. But mm-hmm. the, the key element of the game is that it's got these numbers from 1 to 12, and the twist is that as you get your hand, you're dealt either seven or ten cards, depending on the number of players. I wouldn't play it five. We didn't really like it. There's too few cards, and there's it just doesn't it just it just didn't it wasn't fun. This is a three or four person game. With a three or four person game, you get ten cards, and the hand you're dealt is the hand you have to play exactly how it's dealt. So you're looking at all these cards, and that's the cool puzzle. It's a very simple puzzle, but how do I play these little single cards so that I can get my pairs and my runs of one and two or one, two, three next to each other? Because the faster you go out, the less chance – I mean, the, the zero chance you have of losing one of those two chips. And that's the key to the game. You want to keep your chips. So each player is going to play one or two or three cards – um, if, if it's a single, it's by itself, or if it's a, a combination, and then everyone else has to try to beat it in that one. Whoever has the highest play wins the trick. There is, of course, always a unique twist on it. Besides that level of cards that are all next to each other, and you see that's me playing a run of seven, eight, nine that were next to each other, you also get the three little cards. And I think this is where the fun comes in. The stop card is like that ultimate trump. You play it, the round stops, you win. And it's very strategic when you're going to play it. The, Matt, as you know, all the cards are face up. Everyone can see everybody's hand. So I know that Matt's got to stop. It's coming. When is it going to come? Am I going to try to force it out or not? The next one is even more diabolical. There's only two in the deck, but they have these, I forgot what they're called, uh, draw cards. I forget exactly what it is. But you basically are forced, if you win the trick, to draw three cards. And now you got three more cards. And I, I was like, oh, that's sort of like a Uno mechanic where you're just forcing somebody. But that's not exactly what it is. I'm seeing people go, hmm, I could play my three cards or my two cards now. Maybe I would have saved them later. But I'm going to force, I'm going to win this trick and just take three more cards. But it's almost a wash. And then I'm going to hope those three cards give me even more combinations. So it can be strategic or, you know, when you decide to play it or even long-term tactical. And the last one is the X. And uh, the X is just a wild. If I remember right. Yeah, it's just a wild. It just plays whatever it is. So 
easy to teach. I actually played it with my nieces and nephews a bunch. We had this little thing called a hurricane blow through. We had no electricity for, for a while. We didn't have much else to do. So I pulled out this game. And the beauty of this game is it only takes 15 or 20 minutes to play. We just played it over and over again. We would teach it as people would come in or people would leave. So we played it two, we played it three, we played it four. We tried it at five. I, I don't, I don't want to say five, but if you like these shedding games that have a little trick-taking element, and my favorite of trick-taking games are always the ones that actually do something else. If you've ever played Jiraku, Jiraku is basically an area control game, but it's got trick-taking as how you put your pieces onto the board. I love that. Now you've got two things to think about. Delt doesn't have that, but that's not what it's trying to do, Matt. It's just one of those Sunday afternoon games. You, you just fe- finished eating the pot roast. You're watching the, you're watching the Saints beat the Detroit Lions. Sorry. You're cold. Just cold. Sorry. Cold, man. I was really going down for Dean. I forgot that uh, Matt's was going down for Dean because uh, Dean and I had a little friendly uh, chat about the Saints-Lions uh, game. But, you know, you're watching the game on the tube and everybody's sitting around and you're just playing it. Yeah. So, Del, what, what do you guys think? Is, uh, you got it, did you enjoy your experience? Yeah, very, very, yeah, very much. So we we uh, we call that the Bahanza when you mm-hmm. can't rearrange your cards, right? It's kind of yeah. like and we true. have this like, yeah, we have these weird terminologies for things that we call. You know, that's the I remember like, oh, it's, you do so. It's the Bahanza. Okay, you do the Bahanza, and then you kind of do your managing. I, I, I'm with you. Though, you don't see the Bahanza. I mean, in Bahanza, you don't in Bonanza, you don't see it. This one, you actually lay it out in front of everybody. You know? Right? No, no. It's, yeah, I was just thinking of the. Re- you're right, Bonanza. I always I don't like all Bonanza, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, the way just the way your cards are locked, right? The order is locked, right. and I, I really appreciated the kind of the puzzle that that sort of pushes you into. You know, kind of the idea that I like. I like a game, and, and this is for me, where you've got to just make the best of a bad thing. Sometimes, right? You mm-hmm. really, you got, you got to get in there, and you got a big mess. You're like, all right, how am I going to just carve can I do something mess? out of this mess? And, I, yeah. and that's like, those are, you know, I love that because again, hey, growing up playing trick takers and you know, ladder climbers and cards, and sometimes it's like, you know, like you know, euchre as we we're talking about before the show. You know, euchre, you got just sometimes a crap hand, and you're like, I just got to get out of this thing without getting uked or without, you know, I mean, just, let's just get it through. And you just come you on, come on partner. Come it on is, partner. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and whenever you're like, sometimes you're playing the crappiest cards and you feel so clever because they're just, and you're not winning. You're just not losing, which right. sometimes can be as fun as winning. Right. So I, I love these kind of games there. I, no, I love them. Not that I think about it. We throw around the word elegant all the time, but one of the, one of the elegant parts of this game is the game would have been fun just the way it is, but the designer, and I, I apologize. I just can't remember the designer's name. Through in one, What's that? Katja Stremel. Katja Stremel. Katja Stremel threw in one more twist that to me makes the game kind of elevated from other, other games like this, like, you know, like a Fuji flush or something. Cause it, it sort of feels a little Fuji flushish, but mm-hmm. it's that reserve. Each player has two cards in their reserve. Yep. And there's that juicy, des- delicious decision where you really want to get that reserve card. Oh, I could put that three here, and now I've got three threes, and that is unbeatable in this game. <laughs> but if I do that, mm-hmm. I'm going to have nothing in the reserve. And if, mm-hmm. I, if I can't play, I, I'm out automatically. You know, it's, that's a really cool decision. And one, of the, one of the things that I thought was pretty elegant about it. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. It, it, it always amazes me, too, as a designer, <laughs> when something, a game like this, and in, in, I think you, you're very correct, it's, it's you know, Katya Stemmel, I believe. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, this is her first published game or her only, I would really? say, BGG oh, no. entry. Now, it doesn't mean right. she doesn't have other published games, but 
you know, and it's always impressive to me when a game that's this, you know, because your first design is hard <laughs> and you know, it's just such a great game. You know, it's just yeah. so excellent. That's you know, I, from Amigo. I give it, I give it a thumbs up for a Sunday afternoon game. Yep, if you're yep. watching a certain team beat another certain team, <laughs> not saying anything in particular, just mentioning that out there. So. <laughs> BJ, we're going BJ from board game gumbo. I've got my guests here, Matt Riddle and Steve and I are talking Hot games with them, some spicy hot games. And if we're going to talk spicy just right the, right off the hotness of BGG, we got to talk Ponte del Diavolo, Steve. Give us hotness, Steve. <laughs> hotness off of BGG. Was there an internet when this game was made? Really? Um, yeah, I don't know about I think that it's one. 2012. But Steve, yeah. Matt, before I go to Steve, Matt, have you ever heard of Ponte del Diavolo? I have never heard of it. Okay. All right, All right. Steve, give it to us, man. Well, I. I I hesitate to do this because I'm like going to win this for four dollars in an auction someplace. So if I talk it up and it's good, you know, all of a sudden I'm going to get pipped. Um, this, yeah, exactly. This is a tactical little tile laying game, two players only, and you are basically again it's themeless but themed. Uh, you're going to be laying out tiles to try and create islands and try to connect those islands with bridges. You only lay two tiles at a time. Or you lay a bridge on your turn. One of those two things happens. You can either lay two tiles anywhere on the board. They don't have to connect. Or you can connect two of your islands or sandbars with a bridge. Um, An island is four connected squares. It can't be bigger than four, but it can be smaller and be a sandbar that eventually grows into an island. Okay. And the goal is which to have color is the islands? That's the, the, the red both one? of them are the islands because each of you is either the light or the dark player, and the oh, rest okay. of it is water. Okay. Um, so you're kind of playing like chess, <clears throat> white versus black, or dark versus light here. Um, and it's um, it's clever the way it happens. It's completely tactical. It's the game of blocking bridges and blocking islands, essentially. So at, you're going to get picture, Matt. By the end of it, this is um, it looks it's um, all wood pieces. And you get if you looked if you were able to look at this at um, board level, you'd see that these were like the bridges over the over the canals in Venice. Um, it's a it's an homage to the to the man who uh, wrote uh, who created Twixt, who ended up living in Venice in his in his uh, but, later years. By the life. way, a little background: this is a version, right, of Twixt from Alex Randall. It is. Alex Randall it is. Got, I mean, he's got the pedigree, man. This guy designed so many good games way back when. It's not Alex Randolph. It's somebody who took over some of his games after he passed away and finished some of okay. his designs and then came up with this as a new design that was kind of an homage to him. Oh, so it's not Twixt. It's, it's just not like Twixt, but it's kind of inspired of by the idea of connecting across the okay. board and laying things out and blocking each other because that's what the game's all about, essentially. By the you end of the game, you'll get points for every island that you've completed, but you'll also get an increasing number of points if you can chain islands together. So one island that's not connected to any of your other islands is just one single point. But connect two islands and it's three. Connect three islands and it's six. Connect four islands and it's ten. Um, The rules are funky in that when you're laying down these tiles, the moment you put down a bridge, no tile can go underneath that bridge. That's now permanently water. So you're going to be blocking people out by laying your bridges or putting down tiles between their tiles before they can lay their bridge. Um, this is definitely a devilish game, which is maybe where the Ponte del Diablo part comes from. Um, and you can lay it, you can lay those um, bridges orthogonally. You can lay them north, south, east, west, or you can lay them diagonally so long as you're only covering one distance worth of tile. But if you're covering across tiles, you may cover pieces or corners of two tiles and ruin that island somebody else was building. Mm. It basically goes until nobody can play anymore, uh, essentially. And that you know, kind of triggers the game end, and then you add up your islands and points. 
uh, Devil's Point. Um, it is a pretty chess-like tactical game. I don't. I haven't played it enough times to see if there's a long-term strategy. If you can really, you know, spread yourself out and you know, fork players so that they can't, you know, cover you everywhere. But that seems to be the idea. If you can make it so that they can't block you everywhere, you're going to start connecting some islands together. What do you think, Matt? I, I kind of like the way this looks, actually. Yeah, think? no, I, I was kind of looking at the BGG page after looking at the picture, and I, I'm not—I don't play a ton of two-player games. Just mm-hmm. you know, my my lovely spouse, she does not. Uh, oops, sorry, I'm shaking my laptop as I look around here. Uh, she's not terribly interested in gaming, but uh, you know, every now and then, you know, we we design one. But hey, so it's awesome. I love. You know, as much Did as you I, know you're a board game designer. <laughs> that was that all happened way after we were married. So loves I mean, you, we, de- loves you despite all of that. That's right, right. Yeah. She's like, what is this now? No, we've been married for like 20 years, actually. So, and uh, that was thank you. Board game designer is about the last eight of those. So she's uh, she's, she's a champ. well aware. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I love these. Paid for the pool and the condo and the beach house. By now, she should have figured it out. Everybody knows that's how you get to Easy Street. Board yeah, board design, design. Right. Right. A dozen dollars at a time. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's, it's yeah, it looks cool. It looks very cool. All right, Mike. That was uh, that was Ponte del Diavolo, right? Nailed it. One more game to talk about. BJ from Board Game Gumble. Got my guest here, Matt Riddle from Motor City Gameworks. Matt, you've got another game coming out, uh, this time on your own label, as we used to say in the music biz, right? Three Sisters, you've got a lot of people juiced up because today you released something very, very fancy from a friend of ours in the chat, Three Sisters and the cover art from Beth Sobel. Tell us about Three Sisters. Sell me on it. Yeah, Three Sisters. So we are incredibly excited. It it is probably... I think a, the best way to describe it is probably a spiritual successor to Fleet Dice. Now, they're very different mm-hmm. games uh, where Fleet Dice has a, as we talked earlier, kind of a very simple sort of you know dice draft. You roll the dice, everyone drafts. This has actually an action rondelle that you kind of roll dice and spread around. Ooh. So, again, kind of using our, our hokey designer talk, we call it the Ispahan. So you roll a bunch of dice and you kind of spread them out, right? So we've Love got that a mechanic. Yeah, me too. We Honestly, I, I do as well. And I love it in you know Ispahan. I love it in... Grand Austria Hotel might be my favorite game. So um, either way, all that to say, it's, it's nothing like Fleet Dice or East Behind, really. But it kind of the idea was we're going to take the you know this idea of sort of action selection, right? And again, so we've got, in, these, in this case, instead of custom dice like Fleet Dice, they're just D6. And we are able to take the D6 and you sort of spread them out around the, around the roll, uh, around L based on, you know, how you get, you kind of clump them together by value. And with that, each die that you select is going to do two things. It's going to work in your garden, which your garden, the reason the game is called three sisters is because it's an old planting technique um, from the indigenous mm-hmm. peoples of America, where you plant potatoes, beans, and corn. And there's basically a bunch of scientific reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, and those and are the three rotate sisters. them through, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, the corn goes first, and the beans kind of go up the corn, and then the pumpkins kind of go, or the or the gourds kind of go around. And they, you know, Ben actually, I think his boys literally learned about it at like, you know, day camp. And it's one of those things that people have done for years and years and years. And, you know, it's called the Three Sisters. On this game, in no way, um, you know, we're not, it's modern, right? It's, it's literally your backyard farm. 
You know, it's it's modeled after Ben's actual house. Frankly, he lives out in the boonies. Said the punchboard media thing. It's modeled after his backyard. Yeah, yeah. He's got all the stuff in the game. He's got. I mean, he doesn't do a ton of corn, but he's got the garden. He's got the fruit trees. He's got the beehives. He's got all of it. And we live. We live in kind of rural, sort of the northernmost borders of Detroit. And you can get a little space if you're out this far. So either way, all that to say, um, Three Sisters is, is based on. It's a very much. You know, so you, the the whole cool bit, frankly, is when you take a die off of the action rondelle, you're going to use the value of the die. That's going to tell you which portion of your field you're going to plant or water, because Ooh. you've got to plant your corn, and then it's got to grow, and the corn's got to be so high, then you can plant your beans, or you can plant your pumpkins around the outside edge. So the die selection is going to give you the action from the action rondelle, and it's going to give you the, so like if you pull a five, it may be so now you got a working zone five. And then you also get the action from the rondelle, which may have been farmer's market or the shed or different actions that you, that you've got, you know, mixed in. So every die is giving you two things. And the whole push in the pole is making sure that you are maximizing your planting and your watering because that's how you get points, right? Is to grow your corn, grow your beans, grow your pumpkins. And then also doing all the other kinds of things that you'll recognize from fleet dice where we've got the sheds full of tools that modify how you play. And then there's the beehives and the fruit trees that score points different ways. And then there's the, you know, the perennials are below the garden and they kind of give you bonuses. And it's got that very much, it very much has that kind of, Fleet dice-ish action. Yeah, it's a board game with, you know, you're trying to elevate that role. Exactly. It's very mm-hmm. much a, a Euro strategic board game that happens to be a roll and write. And you yeah. get these, you know, multiple actions where you're like, this gets you this, gets you that, gets you these, gets you here, go do this. And like, oh, you're, you're doing that whole thing, right? Yep. You know? And that's, that's cool. really what we wanted to do. And we did this because we wanted, you know, the reason we're doing it as Motor City Gameworks is because we truly feel like this is still even a year, almost two years after Fleet Dice is released, still a somewhat untapped, you know, market. This idea of these kind of thicker, heavier strategic rolling rights. And we wanted to do our own. And we wanted to make a game that was different than Fleet Dice, and it is. But it's still sort of, you know, you could recognize it as, a, you know, sort of a, a progression almost from Fleet Dice. It's not more complicated, but it's definitely different, you know, because of the way you're doing the action selection and the dice in the rondelle. So, but you'll feel like, okay, you'll recognize elements, but not in any way that makes you feel like, okay, this is the same game again, just different theme. It's a different game altogether, but kind of builds off of, you know, I think what we've got sort of our equity we built from fleet dice. So that's kind of the point. I'm calling shenanigans though, Steve. Hmm. Matt tells us that, oh, it's all about the mechanic. I don't care about the theme. But the entire description of the game was all about how you got to do this with the planning and you got to water and the corn grows. I mean, you're you're buying into theme, I think, Matt Riddle. It is. It is. (laughs) So a roll and write is actually a good way to do theme because you can like, you basically just Mm -hmm. draw this little map out and you're like, okay, so how are we going to represent planting your corn? Plant your corn, and then you got to water your garden. When you water your, so honestly, the, the my favorite part of Three Sisters is you've got this really cool like garden that's in six segments, right? Because you know D six, right? And there's a mechanic that ever, like twice a game, it rains, and when it rains, everything grows. So basically, there's a push and pull between when you plant your seeds, then you have to go water them, and they grow. And each little piece of corn is like four boxes, and each bean is two boxes, and pumpkins are buried between one and five boxes. So every time you know you get your seed in the ground, which is the bottom box of every column, we'll call it, and then when it rains, or if you choose to irrigate or water, you just grow everything in that zone one box. Well, rain, you're like filling out your sheet because like 
every zone grows. It's awesome. And, it, and then things start growing and you get to the point where your, we call it your corn starts popping and that gets you points or your, your beans get you points, your mm-hmm. pumpkins get you goods and goods generate the free actions. Kind of like, you know, they, that's, that's as you get a goods track, every time you hit like a star, you get a free action somewhere else. And then goods oh, also, that. yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it goes also kind of tie into this, you know, sort of farmer's market thing where the more goods you have gets you these bonuses you can use in your perennial zone and fruit, fruit area and stuff. So the kind of the, the the sort of the fun of really kind of seeing your you know what starts off as an empty you know pad of of you're rolling right which is just an empty garden basically start growing through the course of the game is incredibly rewarding and that's really I kind of the part that's, I don't you know, care how many times I've I've done this when when I played Gonchon or when I played Fleet the Dice game anytime a game gives you that I do this to, to do this to do this to do this to this especially in terms of roller right. I don't know why it just, it hits an adrenaline part, a little dopamine hit. Whenever mm-hmm. you it. It's so yep. satisfying. So, right. so are, when are we going to see motor city game works? Like, can we go get it next week? Uh, no, uh, appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I think we're not, I think we are. So our plan is to use Kickstarter because it's, we're not trying to become renegade or Ismade, right? That's not yeah, our goal. Sure. Our goal is to get, a game at the most to probably one game, you know, if it goes well, a game a year, just from us to the folks that want it, you know, as directly as possible and kind of do it. So really for ourselves and for, you know, the folks that are, that are out there willing to you know, help us back and help us buy our stuff, which we're super appreciative of. So we wanted to get out there and kind of do this just, just to, just to have this opportunity. So we're going to kickstart March 9th of 2021 okay. mm-hmm. so okay. the it gives us a little bit of time you know we're getting protos together so i'll you know I'll let you know bj and we'll uh we'll be getting those out and Wanna look at it yeah Chris Jane, our friend uh who designed asking for troubles he wants to know was it theme or mechanics first in this one you've talked about that before on other yeah. podcasts but what about for this one this one was definitely theme was the it Jim that, sitting in his backyard going it, it literally was it that is absolutely no that was a hundred percent what it was i mean he always, always joked that pete Motts was him looking out his window going i want to make a game about a bird feeder and that's what pete Motts is it's a game about a bird feeder um it's a Look, hard his game. ears his ears were burning we talked about you earlier yes. brent we did talk <laughs> we about brent. so and uh he he actually has got to play three sisters so we did some testing uh, last year and brant was awesome and tested for us but all that to say it was literally ben looking in his backyard going i've got a garden i've got a beehive i've got fruit trees i've got my compost pile i got my shed we need to get all that into a game so here we are imagine that you guys do that with a lot of your games you know like three sisters i mean Weds. It was obviously you guys making a target run and getting stuck in traffic and having to deliver the kids to uh, after school or to the yes, baseball game. Sure. Like, no, we need to turn this into a game, right? Why not? <laughs> better, better to call it better to call it three sisters than Ben's yard. I think you made a Ben's good yard. tactical choice yes. there. I, that's hey, what, solid. What, I'm, look, when I had Bill Lasik on the show, that's where Koi came from. He was looking at his Koi pond going, you know what? This could be a, a relaxing game, but with a little bit of meat to it. So when you do this, always love hearing that. When you do this as a roll and write and you're trying to make it thematic, mm-hmm. like you were talking about before, you didn't feel like a butterfly in Mariposas. Okay? But, that's said and, she and did. Maybe, and maybe you don't feel so much like a farmer in this, but I think a lot of the theme for things like this with a roll and write is not to make the theme real, but to make the mechanics plausible. And it makes it feel like when you're doing it, okay, I get where it's going. It seems like it's mimicking. Okay, I'm not going to be the same thing as a farmer, but it's mimicking that. And that gives you that little bit of a, a jolt to that. I get that. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And I think it's, you know, there's always this sort of idea when you're designing a game of what are you? Mm -hmm. And I can't really tell you, I love peat mots. I'm not sure what you are in peat mots and we designed the game. (laughs) You know, you're, I guess, somebody watching birds. Why are you putting them in front of you? Why are you controlling them at the feeder? You know, because it's it's because it's a card game with numbers on it, and it's fun. The bird, the bird puppet yeah, master, exactly right. Uh, so, but to your point with the roll and ride, especially, and we've got another one that we work they're working on, or actually it's done now, called Motor City, where we're doing a sort of a, a production plant, right? And this is something near and mm-hmm. dear to our hearts, and being from Detroit. And again, it's to your point. You're not you're not feeling like you're an engineer, but what you're doing is you're replicating the zones. Of either in this case, uh, you know, in the case of Three Sisters, a garden. In the case of you know Motor City, you're representing the zones of a production plant. So the mm-hmm. things you're doing inside those zones need to be as as much as you can. You know, sort of the feel like the thing you're supposed to be doing, right? You're you're planting corn and it's growing. And I mean, the shed's abstract very much, right? The shed is yeah. a whole bunch of a whole bunch of tools that give you bonuses, right? So but it's upgrade, it's upgrading what you're doing, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, why does right. the shovel give you a bonus when you you know grow hydrangeas? Because we told you right? Because <laughs> you know, so. But yeah, but to your point though, it is. It's very much making sure that the things that you're doing on this pad of paper feel like the thing that you're telling people that they're doing. Right. Hey, check like, March nine. It's going to be on Kickstarter. Circle your calendars. If you've played Fleet the Dice game, if you haven't, you should. Uh, I agree with the brand. It's one of the best rolling rides I've ever played. It's an actual board game. Well, let's let's get out there and take a look at uh, Three Sisters. Now, I got before we move on to the game, I got a quiz for you. Right below you, there's a picture. It's one of your games, and just from the picture, you should know which game that is. It's Piedmont's. No. Oh, Stellar. Stellar. Stellar! I knew that. Sorry. I had to think. I, I was talking about Piedmont's because I know Alex has played Piedmont's as well. No, I watched this episode <laughs> just to hear you go, Stellar, over and over again. But I actually, I do know it. I got to look at it again. Yep, it is totally Stellar. It's still so that, that was me in the act, and that's Steve and Alex. I was wondering where you were going with that, BJ. <laughs> Pretending yeah. not to laugh at me. So. There's always a callback, but you have to. Sometimes it's long distance. <laughs> so that was definitely a long distance callback. Matt Riddle, that is uh, Three Sisters, March 9th Kickstarter from Motor City GameWorks. Everybody, check that out. This is this is a board game show. Uh, Steve, I'm going to send you down into the yeah, green room. Send me so down. You can start getting ready for it. And I'm going to bring in Sounds Verla. Good. Uh-oh, what did I do? I'll put you on solo. Hold on one hey. second. Press the wrong button there. All right, uh, but I need to keep you on the voice, right? Is that right? Yeah. All right, so let's do that. Let's get Verla up, and then I'll move you up to the thing. So we got – hello, Verla. Can we see Verla? Hey, yep, yep. And we're going to be doing a, a little board game for us, and Steve's going to tell us, but uh, – before we do that, is that somebody knocking on your door, Matt? No, maybe you want to clean that up before. Yeah, look, look right behind you. I, think I, I can hear it here. On the th- oh, there he is. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's What's Dan Patrice. What's up, Dan? What's going on, guys? How's it going, Riddle? Good, Dan. How do you, baby? All right, man. Dan from the Geek All-Stars checking in to play a board game with us. It's a board game show, Matt, so we're going to have a pop-in guest do it for us, right? That is awesome. Dan, how's it going? Pl- here's your chance. Plug the show, man. For, for, th- for those who haven't heard the podcast, I don't know who well, hasn't. Um, we're uh, one of the co-hosts. Verla, nice to meet you. 
Hi. <laughs> uh, Riddle, an often guest. I think he's got his 10-timer uh, jacket somewhere. It's probably off screen somewhere. He's got his smoking jacket for being on a show so many times. Uh, we're just the, the, the Geek All-Star has been around myself and Chris Kirkman. Uh, just talk about board games, card games, and anything else we really feel like talking about. And uh, often we like to do fun little drafts and, and have great people on a show like, uh, like Riddle. I'm in the middle of the current episode right now. Nice. Hopefully yeah, we I haven't put you to sleep yet. It, nope, it just check it out, Dan. So I, I will be doing that. Steve, I'm having trouble. I'm not able to get you up on it tonight. It's not letting me do the audio. So yeah, I'm not sure what we're gonna do there. But uh, so let's see if I can figure this out. All right, so we're gonna do a, a game. We're throwing it out for the first time, Dan. You and and uh, Matt are gonna be our guinea pigs for a game we call Board Game But Tie. The way this game is gonna work is that the four of us have chosen a game and we need the chat crew in on this one. So the four of us have chosen a game from each of four categories. Let me uh, get that up. No, that is cow tiger, Santa Claus. That is not also an excellent game. <laughs> That's not the right one. <laughs> Where is there we go. Okay. We got it. We got four categories. And what we're going to do is I'm going to name those, the, the category in all of the games. And then the four of us are going to talk about those games. Right. And at, at the end, we're going to start eliminating those games one by one. There's a bunch of games and chat crew. You get to actually pick the last one. So Steve's going to be monitoring the chat and whichever one you guys pick, what we're looking at is in that category, it's that game that you, that's it. There's six games go in and only one's coming back out. It's the one game you would keep. That's the one you would keep out of these. So any questions about how the game is played? Ready to go? Okay. Beryl. Good. Okay. First right, category yeah. is shockingly, right? The Feld round. So I'm going to throw out six games and then we're going to start talking. Now, chat crew, I'm going to tell you that we sent our choices to Steve. We don't know what each of us are actually pulling for. I'm fully expecting Matt and Dan to try to throw us off. Uh, by the way, Matt's been doing it all episode. He's been throwing out little hints to make us think that's the game you would play. <laughs> I, I, I know Riddle so well, I could probably pick out every game that he's in every category that he likes the best. Riddle, let's keep an eye on what. <laughs> all right, the third round, we got Castle Burgundy, Bruges, Trajan, Carpe Diem, Amerigo, and Macau. All right, who wants to go first? Riddle, why don't you go first? Tell, tell uh, I'm going to go for Carpe Diem. Carpe Diem, Carpe really? Diem. I love tiles playing games and I got really inspired because yesterday I was looking and they are coming out with a way prettier version of it. Uh, I think next year the box is white. They got rid of that hideous cover art, the tiles, the pictures of the tiles. You can actually see what the buildings are and it's going to be so improved over the current version. And I, I vote for that one. Hmm. And you, you agree, Dan? Is it, is it, is that carpet? Game? Is that the one that you love? The, the only thing about it, Carpe Diem feels like the game that Mr. Feld, somebody said to him, hey, we owe Aaliyah one more game. And they're like, hey, <laughs> Carpe Diem. I mean, Mr. Feld, he's way too nice to do some of that. But, but um, I mean, it's, it's a fine game. I just don't know why they had to put out a new, like, because people couldn't follow paths of a star that had to put out a new version so yeah that. i didn't get that that was ridiculous <laughs> they better put the star back in in this third edition I agree. in what, like two years yeah but okay. i still love it i have a fully upgrade it's, yes it's Chris, hard because you. every one of these games are great i mean they're all just i mean it's felt so they're all great but um, 
great. I've demoed it twice and I can't even play the game. I mean, I've start, I played it on PGA. I, I just find the board ugly and I just don't, I don't see what people like about this game. Matt, back me up here. Come on, man. I mean, you know, it's it. got that really well-known Aaliyah, you know, just luster and amazing production quality. Say it, Riddle. Say it, Riddle. You no, I'm it. not. I'm saving it. I'm saving it <laughs> because I don't hate Carpe Diem. Thank you. I don't love Carpe Diem, but it's good. I think it's a right. good game. I've only got to play it twice, and I, I, and I actually I'm going to very much sort of echo, you know, that we I also love tiling, and I think Thank that you, Don. I, you know, <laughs> no, I'm holding off. I'm I'm being good. So I think very much that, you know, I, I love just a nice little tile draft. I have no major complaints. It wasn't amazing, but I think it's a good, solid game. I don't think any of his games, especially on this list, none of this list are hateable. There's definitely a, a greatness factor from one to, to six yeah. of them. So I just, um, I mean, if, if anybody, if anybody could make a cube tower in a Euro work, it's Stefan Fox. Which is is pretty amazing to 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 take that game. I mean, it was it's highly underrated of a game, Amerigo. And you know the 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 cube tower is is done very very well. I I don't think it's the best of those games, but but I think it's it's uh, it's horribly underrated of a game. That's a Cylon move. There's no <laughs> way you, there's no way you want Amerigo to go all the way through. I think so, it's Castle, I think it's Castle of Burgundy. I, I absolutely think it's Castle of Burgundy. Castles is good, but as Dan knows, my favorite Feld is Bruges. I love it. I think it's a. Actually, you know what? I'll, okay, here's the thing. Bruges, it's a game, right? Like, I, 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 I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even going to be like subtle or silent on this one. I wanted to like Bruges so much, and I just didn't. I can tell you why. Because I don't mind a card game, and. I don't mind kind of having the idea that, hey, I got to go look for the thing, right? And it, But of all the mechanics, of all the felt games, one of the things I truly love about them is when you just get to settle down and stare at your board and, you know, kind of figure out what you want to do and do your thing. Well, Bruges has this whole thing. It's like, hey, I'm going to do all this stuff and then hope I draw the card I need. Right. And then maybe you do and maybe you don't. And it's like, oh, it's so when you're just drawing those cards, you're like, nope, 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 nope. And I'm just like... You know, I can't, you can't put that in a game like Bruges for me. Like everything else in Bruges is well done. And then that one thing kind of just made it tough for me. I, I do think, I mean, I know it's, an, I know it's an aside, but I think that when uh, Queen's putting out the new Bruges, I don't know which one it is, whatever city it's called. I think they're actually putting where you can choose what color you draft mm-hmm. from each time. Oh, okay. Which makes, yeah. which completely changes that game quite a bit. Not, not see Bruges. I really love Bruges. It suffers from what I call Yukata-itis. Whenever a new game comes on Yukata and I can't wait to play it, and I play it like three or four games at a time, invariably when I'm done with it, I hate the game. Like, I've, Bruges was always one of my favorites, and then I just so easily just got burned out. It's very, it's, it's very rare that a game doesn't burn me out on Yukata. One of the games that does not burn me out is Castles of Burgundy, which is a fantastic game. Um, absolutely. Right. They've got Carpe Diem on there as well, and that does not burn me out. That I mean, is very good. I do have to get it. That might be the next one I have to try out some more on there is, is Carpe Diem. I'm going to have to call Tom on this. So we're going to have to make some decisions. Okay. You let off. You get to pick one of the games to just knock out. Well, six come in, but only one is going home. What, what game are you knocking out? Is it me? Sorry. I cut out for a little bit. Um, I'm going to knock out Amerigo because that's the oh, – well, I've played a few of those, but I'm going to say no to that one. 
All right, Dan, it's your turn for retaliation. What do you think? Uh, no, I won't. I won't retaliate. I'll, I'll knock out. Uh, I'll knock out Trajan. It's it's a fine game, but uh, but I'm just gonna have to. I'm just gonna. Your buddies. No, I agree. I think I think Trajan is complicated for complicated sake. Yes. Oh, it's interesting. Only like the third best game ever designed. But whatever you guys think is cool too. I mean, it's up to you. I mean, I don't know, Verlock. Are you with me at least? Do you like Trajan? I haven't played Trajan yet. Okay, that counts. Verlo likes Trajan just much. No, Trajan. Tra- I love Trajan, by the way. I love Trajan, I but I know that. Riddle I think loves I'm gonna Trajan. love it. <laughs> oh, that's why. Yeah. I don't think I love it as much as Carpe Diem, though. That was Fair. a hate draft. Like that was a hate draft. Yeah, that was a hate draft. All right, so here's your chance, Matt. What you got? So I, I, I I'm gonna play with my heart. I'm not going to hate draft. I didn't like Castles of Burgundy for the longest time, and I played it recently, and I loved it. So what? with that. I, I do. I, I like it now. I think it's great. Oh. I didn't. I had a bad experience at first, and we never got back to it. And when I finally played it again, I'm like, wow, this is really good. So I'm going to eliminate one we didn't, we didn't even talk about because it's Macau. And I'm going to eliminate oh, okay. Macau because Ben no kicked my ass at it. Right? That's, oh. that's my answer. So, I love Macau. I didn't I pick it, but I, have, I almost picked it, but I knew Matt would probably eliminate it. Macau is great. Yes. So good. All right. So, boy, I wish Steve was up here. Let's try to recap. So we knocked out Trajan... Uh, America Marigo and Macau, yeah. and I'm gonna knock out Carpe Diem. I apologize for it, but I'm knocking out Carpe. I, I just don't. I, oh, that I, hurts. I just, that hurts. <laughs> totally. All right, How so. can you do that to the Overlord? Gumbo <laughs> Overlord. All right, Chad Crew, it's up to you. We've got Castles of Burgundy and Bruges. You guys get to knock it out. So we're gonna let we're gonna let them start deciding on that. There's a little bit of a lag on the live show, so we're gonna move to that next category. While this is your chance, Steve's gonna be looking, Chad Crew. You have a choice between Castle Burgundy or Bruges. Whichever one you pick, that's who you're knocking out. So if you throw up that word, that's the one you're knocking out. Let's go to the second round while they're doing that. And we'll keep an eye out while they're doing that, Matt and Dan and uh, and Verla. So the second round is the Uve round. Uve, oh, Don, look, it's already coming out. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so we got, um, yes, so we got uh, the Uve round. We've got Agricola, Caverna. A Feast for Odin, Bonanza, Patchwork, and Fields of Arl. Dan, you're on the clock this time. Tell us on a game. So you could pick Agricola or you can take better Agricola, which is Caverna. (laughs) So once Caverna came out, there's no reason to ever play Agricola ever again. So I'll just say that. Plus, I hate feeding mechanics, and Caverna makes it a lot easier to feed your people. Caverna. Matt, is he right? Is is Caverna Agricola 2.0? You know, I, I, this is going to be shocking. I've never played Caverna. Mm, okay. I know. Right. So I played Agricola. I like Agricola. I don't love Agricola, but I, you know, it's, it's a good game. Caverna just never, you know, because I knew it was Agricola 2.0 and Agricola is sort of middling for me, I kind of let it go. I love Uva. I think he does so much cool stuff. To that point, I'm going to make sure that we don't lose track of the greatest two-player game ever designed, Patchwork. Oh, Such I thought you were say Baseball Highlights 2045. I don't know what... <laughs> <laughs> also excellent, okay. but Patchwork, I, I love it. So why, why is it the greatest game? Because it, it's, it's, it took the first... The first kind of... It introduced us back into this like polynomial craze that we're in today. And just the... you know I, I think a two-player game like that... I played the app. you know A game that I could play hundreds of games of on the app and never get tired of is truly a gem. 
in the sense that each Good each point. play is so tactical between you know the piece that you want and the and your board that you just you're, you never get tired of it. All right, we're getting a call back before we go to Verla. Bruges is out. It's Castles of Burgundy for the win. Steve posted up in the chat who got the points there on uh, Castles of Burgundy. And then back to Verla. Yeah, I know I did. I voted for Castles of Burgundy. Anybody else? I did too. No, oh, nice. Wow. <laughs> oh, Riddle. What was, what was your choice? Was it Trajan? Trajan. Right? Yeah. Because it's yeah. amazing. All right. So I'll let, I'll let Steve update the chat there with who's got the points on it. But uh, Verla, up to you. Did, did Matt Riddle convince you? You know, it's pretty close because I love me some patchwork, but I'm going to go for a Feast for Odin. It's a great solo. Feast for Odin, yeah. Feast for Odin, more of that tiling, polyamino goodness, but on a wider scale and a little more challenging. Interesting. You know, I, I guess the one thing I didn't realize, obviously, if you want to retire as a board game designer, do polynomials because there's, I mean, there's a million of them out there. So obviously yeah. they're selling, right? I mean, po- polynomials. But a Feast for Odin seems to be like the pinnacle. I mean, that's what is on everybody's wish list if they don't have it already. Yeah, peace for Odin. Mine was tough. I I, I like Patchwork. Uh, I, I enjoyed Caverna, but I, the one that I played the most, mostly in app form, by the way, is Agricola. It's got it. It, it was one of the first of the apps that I really, really enjoyed going, wow, this is not just an app. This is a really good game. It had this like, um, I want to say it was a solo game, but it sort of had things that it would introduce as you would learn the game and play the game and have to develop. I played that thing a ton when it came out. Pat- Patchwork is great. And my mom still doesn't understand Bonanza. I don't know why. Like any other game. She's uh, an amazing great. blackjack player. It's and so we, good. We can't teach her Bonanza. <laughs> just understand the fields part you know i don't know how you can be so good at blackjack and not get bonanza so i, I, I feel I, bad I, um oh go ahead B. i'm sorry oh, go ahead. We're gonna say i thought you i was gonna say if earl is gonna hate me because every one-liner i have is about a game that she that she's picked <laughs> but i and i want to say because i was waiting for riddle to say because i think he said it on my show one time that uh a feast for odin is a game with 80 spaces where you're really only going to use maybe seven in the okay. whole game hmm. i think that I like was a riddle I don't think that was me, but I agree with it. Now, but that said, I do like a piece for Odin. No, I, I do mean, like it. It's just it was yeah. just a one-liner that I had come up with, but it is a, a excellent game. I have not played it. It looks like Frankenstein to me. It looks like a billion <laughs> things all you know just smashed into one. Am I right? Am I right? It is, but not in a bad way. So Evan says perfect uh perfect family game is Bonanza. I man, I was tempted. I was really tempted to go Bonanza, but I, I'm gonna go with the old daddy. I'm gonna go with Agricola. Uh, I think Agricola is the best one out there. At least I want you to think that. Let me see if I can do the point. See, can you guys see right there that if you zoomed in, those are two expansions for Bonanza right there. <laughs> All right, we're going solo. Let's see if we can see that. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's, there it is. It's the gangsters and the whatever all the one of the other expansions are. Bonanza is great. I just love it. it's such a good family game. You, you know, you have to put a cap on the trading point, or else you'll just sit there and try to argue over a trade forever. But it's a it's a fine family game. I think you're stalling, Dan. You're going no, no, no. Oh, right am I up now, first? Which game are you going to knock out? You oh, um, I'll, I'll eliminate Field Tavaro since we didn't really talk a whole lot about it. I'm. Uh, I think as much as I love Uve, I think he's. He's a little going over the top with the uh, polyominoes. So I think Fields of Arl kind of feels like that tacked on polyomino game where he didn't really need to do a whole lot more other than some of the other ones. And I think there was even one after that, too. Was it um, Indian Summer? Was that the, the other one? That the trilogy? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's too much. And Spring too, Meadow. Too much. Spring <laughs> Meadow. <laughs> they kind of were overboard, but it had marmots in Spring Meadow. 
Yeah, I did like. What other game has marmots? All those games came from basically pizzas and parts of uh, Feast for Odin, right? At least that's what I've heard. So ish. Yeah, I I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, Uva does a lot of the uh, self self copying, right? He takes pieces of his own thing and does a new thing, and he's got a lot of that. Riddle, what you got? We got Fields of War knocked out. What are you yep, going? We're going to kiss Caverna goodbye because I. Oh, he owed yeah. that to me. He owed it to me on that one. <laughs> that was payback. That was <laughs> what were you going to say? Why, why are you knocking out Caverna? Just because I haven't played it. That's okay. it. No other. No I do good think you would like it, Riddle. Riddle, you you need to try I, it at some point. I might. It was a. Little, I mean, a tiny bit of spite for this guy, but it's okay. Just we'll wait till next round, Riddle. <laughs> I love them all next round. I've played all these games except A Feast for Odin. I'm going to knock out A Feast for Odin. I'm sorry. Putting the stamp down. Putting the stamp down. Wow. wow. Again? Wow. All right. So, was that your role? Hey, I don't know the of the show again. <laughs> okay. So just to recap, we got Fields of All, Fields of Oral, Feast for Odin, and Caverna waiting on Verla. What are you going to pick, Verla? Bye-bye, Agricola. Oh, no. That, I deserve that one. Yeah, I deserve yeah. that one. Okay. All right, chat crew, it's on you. All we have left, surprisingly, out of the entire Uve universe, we're down to Bonanza. I think there was some hatred. Because <laughs> I don't think Bonanza and Patchwork is the best two games. But let's see. Which one of you two, uh, Board Game Bataille, who's going to survive the Board Game Bataille, chat crew, Bonanza or Patchwork? Remember, the word that you're putting up is someone you're going to knock out. So it means you want the other game to survive. And let's go on to the third round. This time it's um, it's match round, the Fister round. Alexander nice. Fister, one of my favorite uh, designers. I think uh, yeah. you're a fan, right? Yeah. Oh, I love him. We got Great Western Trail, Maracaibo, Mombasa Broom Service, Isle of Sky, and Oh My Goods. I'm curious. There's some tough choices here. It is. So it actually really does show Fister's range. I mean – He's done so much. Like I'll be honest, my one play, admittedly one play of Maracaibo wasn't the best. Um, it was awesome because I got to play with Dan, which was awesome. Yeah. But the, you know, I, I didn't love the game. You know, frankly, it was it was, it was okay. Some of it was just like I, I didn't love just ripping through cards at 100 miles an hour trying to you know find the ones you want and then having to. Use, I, I love multi-use cards a ton, but that one didn't. It was fine. It, it was it was a perfectly reasonable game. I love Mombasa. But of all the games on here, if I'm being 100% honest, Isle of Sky oh, is genius. And I am. All right. Matt, I, we can be friends. We yes. can be friends. Oh, Verla, it is one of the best games ever designed. And I remember, I know yeah. that's a co design. It was uh, Alexander Fister and um, the same person who did Bruce Fister. I can't remember his name. Uh, Pelican is his BGG okay. game. So yeah. I remember talking to him afterwards, being like, because him and I had spoken in the past about other things. And that game is just so good. And I haven't got to play any of the expansions yet. I want to, but I think the original is so great as is that I just haven't needed them. So it's, it's Andreas Pelican. Thank you, Andreas Andre. Pelican. Yep. Okay. I, I think it's a good choice. Uh, I'm not uh, as big a fan of the uh, Isle of Skies, that drafting mechanic that everybody else seems to like. I, I, I kind of lose myself when in what because it's economy and it's drafting and it's placement and 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 it's supposed to be in, in auction, in auctiony too. Auctiony, yeah. right? And it, but it's supposed to be this kind of breezy little family game, and it it feels a lot more than that to me. The two that I the two that I really like, Great Western Trail and Broom Service. Uh, that I mean, everybody talks about those two games, and I'm gonna tell you, Broom Service might be might be one of my top ten games of all time. Broom Service has got an amazing mechanic in terms of, are you gonna be that? 
brave witch or are you going to be the scared witch and you know that the person behind you knows what you think you're going to do but are you going to do what they think you're going to do or are you really going to do the opposite so and plus you got all the movement around the board so broom service and great western trail that's my two but broom service i think uh, one of my top 10 games i would have to be at. what do you think Berla? am i right I'm going to have to disagree, but I haven't played Broom Service yet. I'll probably love it because Fister is one of my favorite designers as well. But I'm I'm so going good. with Matt and Isle of Sky, uh, you know, again, back to that tiling theme. But like Don was saying in the chat here, um, they didn't feel like it worked very well, very well for two players, which I totally agree. And I won't play it at two, but you get three to five, four to five is really that sweet spot. And normally I don't like auction games and economic games and everything. And I feel like what that adds though to this tile laying game is just enough to not be overwhelming in those mechanics that I don't usually like and just ties it all together so perfectly. My family and I have been playing it for a couple of years now and just constant we never get sick of it. Well we got Steve with the big update. Matt takes the early lead six points. All wow, Matt, you actually wow. picked Bonanza? I, I picked love Bonanza. Bonanza. Wow. wow. In a million years, I would never have picked that. that you would pick that. That's an excellent job. It's, it's the right. first Uva I owned. I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it, but, I, but I didn't pick that. It's, it's amazing. Good first job, Dan. So, Dan, did Verla convince you about Isla Sky? Or you, where, where, oh, where I you absolutely love them? Isla Sky. But since we've talked about it so much already, I, I do love Isle Sky and uh, it may be one of my, it may be my pick, maybe not, but uh, I have to say we, we have woefully not talked enough about great Western trail. This Such an absolutely great game. True. You know, a game now I'm an old folk. Yeah. All you guys are still in your late twenties. I understand that. But when I was growing up, there was a great game. You guys remember bonkers. Remember bonkers. Yeah, how yeah, yeah, sure. it was kind of the game. You would put things out on the board, and when you got to them, it'd be like you'd go back three or up four. That's that's what Great Western Trail feels like because when you put things on the board, as you get to them, you're doing other things. You're kind of creating the board. I really love that thing. And then you pass go and collect two hundred dollars at the end of the at the end of the round of, of Great Western Trail. But just just kind of having all the the choices you have as far as where you're going, who you're really investing with, whether you're playing the. Uh, uh, the deck building game of the game, or you're trying to other ways. There's such a, a bunch of different ways to the pass. The victory are great. Uh, it's such a solid game. And I love the weight of it as well. Uh, it's, it's a solid, solid game. I, I'm smelling shenanigans here. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you on that as well. Isla Sky and Great Western Trail are both in my top 10 all-time games. I just well, wish they had an app for some of these other heavy games. Like Great Western Trail had a, I uh, wish it had an app as well. You know, because Isla Sky, you know, and Isla Sky does the the thing. I don't know if many games that did it before them. And I think uh, Cartographers does it as well. The, the A and B, A and C, or yeah. A and B, yeah. B and yeah. C, C and D, whatever Oh, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's the six, Matt. You got uh, you got to make a tough choice. Um, to me, this is a tough category. These are all good. It games. really is. They are. Uh, but it's a little easier for me because I'm I'm going to play this straight. The one game on here I've not played is Broom Service. So bye bye, Broom really? Service. Really? Really? <laughs> I haven't played it. I honestly haven't played it. Stick my neck out and yep. I played Witch's Brew, which I liked. I liked the you know kind of the, hey, it's a board got a board. I don't know. Haven't played it. it. Dang it. All right. So, Don, yes, All My Gids is on the list. And let's go over that list again. Uh, it's uh, Great Western Trail, Maracaibo, Mombasa, Broom Service, Isle of Sky, and Oh My Goods. Although no one talked about Oh My Goods, so that's what I'm going to go with. It, it's one of Steve, uh, the, the name father loves that game, but no one really talked about it. So, 
It's on my shelf of opportunity. I haven't played it yet. I'm I'm sure I'm going to love it. I do love that name. I'll have to remember that shelf of opportunity. I love that. Oh yeah. It's so much better than. It's so much better than shelf of shame. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like shame here. There's no shame. It's just opportunities. So, so far we've got a broom service and yeah, broom service, of course, from Matt and oh my goods, which I knocked out. What do you, what are you throwing out? I'm going to get rid of Maracaibo. I had such high hopes for it and it just, I Uh-oh. played it two or three times and it really fell flat for me. Dan does it's, it's, it's an excellent solo. It is an, actually an excellent I've solo game. That. Oh man. And the, oh God, the campaign, the kind of the story thing is really, Matt, that's, that's the biggest regret I have is not, not doing the whole story thing when we played it the first time and, and I'm a terrible mm-hmm. teacher. So I, I blame myself, Riddle. You did an excellent <laughs> job, man. It's just, you just, you only did, you, you did what you could. It's an, it's a above average game at best. Well, Dan, so I'm going got, to eliminate the last choice. What you got? I'm going to eliminate Riddle's favorite game because I know he picked it. Mombasa. <laughs> I was so careful to never mention it, hoping it would get through. word Mombasa the I entire you, time we talk so they can sneak through. Maybe I'll win in the chat, but Dan, I think you snuffed it out. I knew, I think no, there were, there were a couple of games that I know that were riddles favorite. And I knew that was one of them from the very beginning. Actually the next category, I don't, I'm totally clueless as to what riddle loves, but I knew Mombasa was the one here. Yep, so what's fair. left? We got okay, chat crew. We got Great Western Trail and Isle of Sky. Is that right? That's the two we got. Great yeah. Western oh, Trail, two good games. Yeah. All right. So chat crew, only one of those games is going to come out of this board game but tie. Name the one that you want to eliminate. In other words, don't put the one that you want. It's Isle of Sky or Great Western Trail. It sounds like a lot of our choices have already gotten knocked out. So I don't know if anybody's going to score any points this round. We will see. Riddle's going to win with his uh, bonanza, I think. He might. <laughs> so we're going to go to the next round while the chat, while Steve's counting up the votes for the uh, chat crew. And that's the last round in the board game of tie. It's two-player games. Interesting category here. Lost Cities. Targi. Jaipur, Seven Wonders Duel, Codenames Duet, and Hanamakoji. Wow, there's this is some really strong games. I'm I'm curious. I'm gonna go back to what is it my turn to go first? Yeah, I guess I need to go first. Okay. Oh, this was self this was honestly, uh, Dan, you called it on the head. This is this was a tough category for me. I, I really like all these games. Um man, I'm gonna go with the one game out of all these I actually haven't played. And I've never played a Codenames Duet, so I, I'm gonna I, I, I'm I'm gonna tell you right now I'm gonna be eliminated that one. But the one that I do like out of all these is one I play all the time on BGA with our our friends, our Gateway friends, and that's Seven Wonders Duel. Super great way to transfer the big seven. It, it's a different game in my opinion, but it's just as fun. It really is, and you you still got the drafting, you still got the economy, and you still got the combos. So I'm gonna go with Seven Wonders Duel. What do you think, Berla? You know, that is tied for one of my choices. <laughs> if okay. I could choose more than one, I really love it. But I think I'm going to go with Targi instead. Uh, that game is just so elegant. Worker placement and the choices and the decisions you have to make are so tight. Um, yeah. Ooh, it's on Yukata. I play that on there a lot. I've played it more on there than in person. Evan yeah, says Jaipur, which Matt Riddle, that's uh, Ispahan, same designer. Ispahan, right? Dan, what you got? So uh, Jaipur, also a good pick. And Tarji, also a good pick. I think a game that 
for kind of a lot of non-gamers and you know, to get the, the game that I think feels more like a non-gamer game where it just almost feels like a deck of cards is Lost Cities. Feels like any other, you could probably, I'm sure you could just, there's, it probably came from like, it was inspired by something, you know, whether it be some sort of weird solitaire variant or something like that, but, but a real solid game. Uh, it's a game that my wife and I like to play, you know, when you, it's one of those good beach games where you're just sitting out at the beach, uh, with a cold one with, with your spouse and just, and watching the waves, it's just a, just a very chill game. Little Abita root beer there and you're playing with your, with your wife, right? So <laughs> that's right. Yep. Steve's got the update, great Western trail. And I may have picked great Western trail. Wow. Good job. I'm gonna be last. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, all right. So Steve will give us a recap, but yeah, lost cities. That might be my most played game. Uh, Dan, my, my wife used to love that game. It was so easy to just, Pick it out, throw it out there, and play two or three games together. Matt Riddle, what you got? So I played all these games, and they're all excellent. I don't get to play a ton of two-player games, but I have actually played a few of these on BGA quite a bit. I just played my first game of uh, Seven Wonders Duel, and it's great. It's and awesome. I played all the other ones as well. But honestly, my favorite, even though I kind of hate it, is Jaipur. So I love and hate Jaipur. It's like one of those love-hate things because I think it's so cool like mechanically and the way you do the trade with the middle and the camels but then i get so frustrated because it's like hope i draw red or actually it's really hope red doesn't flop after i take brown right, right. that's type right. like when i pull two brown in, and then he gets you know the guy my opponent gets red yellow i'm like you know <laughs> but it sounds it, like you're complaining about bruges it is it is i yeah, as you can see i'm sensitive to that whole uh flop thing but yeah. uh, very similar complaint i'm so good at this game is what we call it <laughs> um but I, that there should be a ding for that too. There is. That said, Jeff is great. I, I think it's an excellent game. All right. So time to recap. Before we make our final choices, we've got uh, Verla with five, Matt with six. I've got five. And Dan, as they say in horse racing, you can see everyone. You can see them all with two points. All right. This is it. Time to make the choices. I guess it's me to go first. And I am going to knock out. Well, I told you which one I was going to knock out. Codenames Duet because I haven't played that version. I played almost all the other ones, but just haven't played that one yet. Verla, what you got? Uh, Hannah Makoji. I have not played that. I've actually only played two of the games on here, but yeah, Super nobody good. talked about that one. We'll just say bye bye. It's so good, Hannah Makoji. Dan. So the other best game in this whole category, I'm going to have to eliminate. So I'm going to have to get rid of Tarji. It's such a good game, but I but I need some points here. I feel like that's hate drafting. <laughs> it's so it's so hate drafting. <laughs> So yeah, for me, the best game. Don't bring it back, I think we changed that. All right, Matt, what you got? So I'm going to just get rid of what I think is probably the one that I'm playing. This is I'm, this is game and ship, and I'm going to eliminate Seven Wonders Duel. <laughs> not because it not because it deserves it, because I think it probably got votes. Mm-hmm. So wow, that's a great game. Man. Love Seven Wonders Duel, and it's a great so app harsh. as well. So, All right, so am I correct? We've got Lost Cities and Jaipur. That's going to be the two choices. Mm, so. there. All right, chat crew, it's all on you. Lost cities and Jaipur, make your choices. Your only champ- one has camels, just saying. Only this is true. That's right. That's right. Let's Riddle see. was so sandbagging on this one. He's so <laughs> sandbagging. I know it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm curious on this one. So, all right. So, uh, Matt, what else is coming up? Uh, anything you, you kind of mentioned, you kind of handed about another game coming out with Motor City uh, Gameworks. That's kind of in development. Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. So we've got basically Three Sisters is our focus for Motor City Gameworks, but we designed another 
because we thought the world needs three more, I guess. Another kind of heavy roll and write called Motor City, which is, again, focused around the idea that you're kind of running a production facility. So you've got engineering and testing and the test track, and you've got sales, and you've got the production floor, and it's these zones on your sheet. And that's actually, it's based on a um, kind of a, there's a multicolored dice action selection pool thing where you roll dice, and they spread out across this kind of, again, a very East behind we call it, to spread the dice out, and that's your action selection for the round. So that's our next big project. I mean, right now we're really, as far as coming out, Stellar's been out for a bit now, as you guys have talked about, and that's going really well for us. Coming up next probably is, we've got actually the follow-up to Stellar. I can't say anything else about it, but it's with Renegade again. It's got Mark 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 that. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a follow-up to Stellar. And it's Light got Beth. I get nothing I can't say. <laughs> and it's got uh, Amazing Art by Beth Sobel again. So... We're, that's cool. That'll be probably next spring, and then Sleepy Hollow eventually. I, any day. I mean, could be next month. I'm a backer. I'm I, a I backer. appreciate that. I mean, it's been as, a long time. Oh yeah, yeah, Dan, you are a backer, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got to play it, and I think Dan, you got you got to play it many times. I got mm-hmm. uh, we got a copy uh, as a review copy through your buddy Chris Kirkman. Yep. I only played the first scenario, but I, I absolutely loved it. I loved the artwork. I loved the theme. I loved everything about it. Matt, while we're while we're totaling it up, can you yeah. give any kind of clue about what's going on? What's, there's been a lot of changes. Are you guys involved in those? Is yeah, oh, absolutely. So we they took our our original design and they basically said, okay, so we really, you know, again, probably mechanically that game was a big big challenge for us mechanically. But then you get into the story part, and that's just not really our expertise. Right. So what creating the games wanted to do is they wanted to make sure that you know the mechanics that we kind of designed through the look because we basically designed a you know eight ish scenario game where every scenario was like a brand new game. Honestly, they all played differently. They all had different, I mean, you were, your characters were progressing through this, you know, kind of world through this story, but every single game was different because the map was different and the rules were different. So that was a huge challenge. And what we, you know, really needed a lot of help with, which was kind of where Chris Kirkman stepped in and then grid the game stepped in was to really bring that story piece out of it. So they've made, um, a lot of changes over the last year, more in regards to just story development and mechanical development to make sure that it felt like you were actually working through the story. So, and that has not been a nice strength, and we were happy to let them do it. And it's been two years, and I still yeah. think about two of those characters, the Grave Digger and the, I forget her name, with the, with the Emily. Emily. I can picture them and the stuff that we did in the camp because in getting it and doing the review with them, I played the first scenario over and over and over. Yeah bunch of different people but i mean I, I look kudos to you guys i love the mechanics i love the system and i love the story with this game i just yeah. can't wait to get it but let's see steve's got the uh the totals for us he says it looks like an eye in the last round but thanks to matt's gamemanship it doesn't matter jaipur is the winner i also went did we have a four-way tie with jaipur i went with jaipur everybody went with jaipur jaipur no. i did i did yeah, i did yeah. Okay, so we have three-way. Yep. Uh, Matt has eight, BJ seven, Verla five, and Dan, hey, you had a little pickup there at the end. I'm used to losing every one of these games. I lose I lose the drafting game in our, on our show every time. <laughs> As we say, Dan also played. I, I Dan, also played, yep. I like yep. that. Dan also played. I just, I just got to hang out with some great people. That's hey, Dan, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. A quick plug for the show again, if you don't mind. Tell, tell people. Yeah, uh, please uh, 
Uh, well, which show? To be honest, I mean, uh, check out the Geek All Stars. Uh, I also do a, a a board game news show on the Major Spoilers Network uh, on the Munchkin Land podcast called the Munchkin Minute. So you can check out board game news, uh, and I do some digital news and Kickstarter news on there as well. But uh, check out the Geek All Stars. We just dropped a show this week, and uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, we're going to do a horror movie draft when we've got uh, we've got Rob is coming back from uh, Blue Peg Pink Peg, and and also. Uh, we're going to have uh, David. David Waybright is also coming oh. back to do it because he was on last year with with me and Chris and uh, Rob doing doing some horror movie drafts. I am absolutely going to finish in last place in this without a doubt because uh, I'm not a horror movie guy. We're ready for the Disney draft episode. Whenever you're ready, me and Dean, we're going to come <laughs> on the show and we're going to have a big Disney draft. Just let us yeah, know. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll pencil it in, man. For sure. And I'm going to send you and Verla down into the green room so that we can close the show. But awesome having uh, having both of y'all on there. Verla, it's 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 your show, and we just, you know, we just try Thanks. to do what we can with it. <laughs> so let me send you guys. Bye, friends. See that. Matt, that was awesome. That was our board game that we like to play at the end. Uh, board game Bataille, our first one presented by Game Toppers LLC. Hey, Matt, make your game nights a showstopper when you play on a game topper. All right, board gamers, that's it for another episode of Gumbo Live. Hey, Matt, how can people reach you if they want to talk to you about uh, Three Sisters or any of the products, projects that you and Ben have? So Three Sisters, uh, obviously, again, March 9th, 2021. But if you want to hit me up, I'm M-D Ridlin, so M-D-R-I-D-D-L-E-N at Twitter. Or uh, just Ridlin, R-I-D-D-L-E-N, at Board Game Geek. You can geek mail me. I will answer. You can DM me, at me, whatever you want, and I'll talk. So I don't have Facebook. Ben does. You can find him on there. I think Fleet's got a page. More City Gameworks might have a page. Go but, do. Uh, really, yeah, I mean, we're kind of driving a lot of our focus through Twitter because that's where we hang out. So, and yeah, anytime. Any questions, you know, and, and it's going to be next few months you know we're not going to inundate you with it we're not going to beat you over the heads but you'll you'll, you'll hear about it as we kind of make progress and have new things you know it'll be tweeted it'll be talked about on there so we're going to be looking for it make sure to like our facebook page facebook.com slash board game gumbo on the youtube channel it helps us get the word out about all of our upcoming shows including next week chris glain the designer of studies and sorcery maybe weird giraffe games best game yet we're going to be talking about it with Chris and also some of the other shenanigans that we like to do. Hey, Matt, I'm BJ from More Game Gumbo. And until next time, let's say the bon ton roulette. Thanks for listening. Gumbo Live is produced by BJ Rosa and the name father, Steve O'Rourke, with editing by Sean Jones. You can find more Board Game Gumbo content by checking out our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter feed at Board Game Gumbo. Or visit the Board Game Gumbo blog at BoardGameGumbo.com. Hey, I'm Eric Dewey. And I'm Donald Dennis. And together we are the Mad Men behind Onboard Games. Indeed, for the past dozen years or so, we've been putting out a podcast that you should be listening to. Yeah, it, you know, after you finish listening to this podcast. Exactly. So what do we do on our show, Don? We got a lot of stuff going on. We have a bunch of great guests, and we do an occasional triple play where we take a type of game be it mechanic or theme and we talk it up for a while and we pick hey what's a great introductory version of that game what's a game that is good for people who've been gaming for a long time and what is i don't know a weird or strange version of that type of game but you're thinking as much as i love to hear eric and don i would love to hear other voices too we've got you covered there as well we have isaac shalev bruce vogue the third adrian azell kathleen mercury and of course we have some other special segments from folks who drop in from time to time like brian counter who is counterproductive 
Absolutely. And we have the Argument Hour with Seth Jaffe and TC Petty the Third. So all kinds of stuff going on over at Onboard Games. And of course, the most important thing about Onboard Games is that we are proud to be members of Punchboard Media. That's right. So head over to InverseGenius.com, which is where Onboard Games can be found, or visit us as our guild in Guild 325 on Board Game Geek.